Last week, we talked about fresh starts. And we talked about how God gives us a clean slate. In Christ, we receive a clean slate. And his disciples experienced this when they met Jesus and heard his message and put their trust in him. And I know many of us have experienced this as well. When we've taken the gospel declaration that the kingdom of God has come near, the invitation to follow and trust, trust Jesus, to take up our cross and follow him, the, the, where, where we are rooted in uh, you know, the death, burial, resurrection, ascension of Jesus, when we embrace those words, trust him, confess our faith in him, we also experience a clean start. And um, I think that you know, we, we say this because we're in a post-resurrection mode, the resurrection didn't just happen, it happens. And we want to continue on that theme for a couple of weeks. And we asked this question last week, and I know that it sparked something in some of you and some of us. Are you ready for a fresh start? That was a question um, we left with last week. Are you ready for a fresh start? And some of us needed a reminder that God can always do something new. I was so grateful to receive some text messages and emails and Facebook messages that, that this, uh, there was a reminder that happened last week beyond my own words, something that the Holy Spirit was doing just to remind us that God can do something fresh in us, even if we've been following Jesus for years. And some of us for the last couple of weeks, maybe for the first time, are starting to discover that God can do something fresh and new in us as we start to put our trust in Jesus. And here's what I want to do today. I want to move from fresh starts to, to, growing, uh, to, to sprouting growth. From fresh starts to sprouting growth. And, and I want to move from what we talked about last week of having a clean slate to what God begins to do in us as we grow in this newness. So I want to read again John chapter 15, uh, starting at verse 8. If you've got your Bibles, uh, feel free to turn in the Scriptures with me or follow with me on the screen. And we're going to read this together. Uh, let's do this, all right? I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and as I also remain in you, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Can we just take a posture right now of, of reception, just to receive these words from the Lord, to just allow them to captivate our hearts. I encourage you uh, to take some time later and read them and, and, and allow the Lord to speak to you through them. I want to point out a couple of things. Obviously, the theme that we've been working out of last week and this week and even next week is this, this claim of Jesus, this final I am statement. I am the vine. And the metaphor speaks of this kind of dependence on Christ. But there's two implications here that, that Jesus helps us understand of himself being the vine. He says this phrase twice, 
And each time he highlights something different. The first time he says, I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. That's the first one. The second time he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Did you catch how Jesus just nuances that or helps us see what, what is in place here? So in other words, it's this. This fresh start isn't just random. This fresh start isn't by chance. This fresh start doesn't happen because we manufacture it or we, we build it. It's, it's, it's a new life connected to him. He is the vine, we are the branches. But here's another aspect, right? The new life that we find in Christ is never left alone. God is nurturing that life in us, just like a gardener nurtures their garden, just like a gardener oversees the crops, the plants, the vineyards in their field. I love how the first century eyewitness of Christ, Paul, said this. He was a church planter and someone who, who wrote much of the New Testament scriptures. He said this to one of the New Testament churches. He said, he, talking about God, who started a work in you, will be faithful to complete it. He said that because he also, I believe, saw this big idea that God is a gardener. He nurtures, nurtures our growth. And so what we're getting from this, just kind of the big idea here, is that sprouting growth is possible. A fresh start, a clean slate is great, and it's so vital. But we move to sprouting growth, and it's possible. And here's why. Because God is always growing us. God is always growing us. God is growing the branches or the people, right, connected to Jesus, the vine. And he does that because he's concerned about us. He's concerned about our growth. He's concerned about our life. He's intentional with us. He's working with us. Each of us has a purpose. Each of us are becoming something, And that's so important to keep in perspective as we stay connected to Christ, or or maybe as you're starting to to understand who Jesus is and starting to grow in this faith, this Christian faith. But but here's what I want us to understand today as well, as we're thinking about this, especially with the kind of season we're in, especially with the kind of feelings and emotions that many of us are experiencing during this COVID-19 issue. Every season of growth will look different. I want us to remember that. Every season of growth will look different, will feel different, will flow differently. Think about this for a second, okay? Think back to a season in life when you grew. And I, I have this sense that if you, if you analyze it or reflect on various seasons that you felt you've grown, there's probably a variety of reasons. Maybe one of them was because you learned something. Maybe another one was because you experienced something. It's possible that you grew during a season when you met somebody and that that encounter, that relationship started to spur growth in you. Maybe when you received something or maybe when you lost something. There's a season in your life you lost something and that spurred on growth. Sometimes in the middle of extreme success, we're forced to grow and God uses that to shape us. But sometimes it's an extreme failure as well. So sometimes it's these glorious moments in our lives, and sometimes it's these painful moments in our lives. But here's what I want us to get from this when we reflect on this. We can grow in every season. We can grow in every season because God is always growing us, because he's a gardener. 
Even if we're connected to the vine, he is a gardener. And we can grow in every season because he's always growing us. See, regardless how we grow or what circumstances we find ourselves, way, our, ourselves in, God can use everything, everything. And, and Paul understood this too. He can use everything for our good as we're formed into the image of Jesus. He can use everything for our growth. Now, even though God can use everything for our growth, here in this, in this metaphor that Jesus gives us, the vine and the branches, and God is a gardener, here's the one, one method that, that Jesus presents to us as a way that God grows us. And it's probably one of the harder methods or harder tactics that God uses, and it's the idea of pruning. Now, the word pruning is similar to the word clean or cleansing. So when God prunes us, he's also cleaning us, preparing us for something new, right? But here's, here's what Jesus says, verse 3 of chapter 15. He says, he, talking about God, the gardener, cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. So there's a sense of uh, lack of purpose, not co no connection, uh, useless, not because the, the, the branch is useless, because it's no longer connected anymore, so there's no life in it. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. And here's the idea I want to get to. While every branch that does bear fruit, what's this? He prunes so that it will be even more fruitful, even more fruitful. So last week I, I shared about like my trees getting um, trimmed in the fall and I shared a little bit about that. This week, so you know, spring is, is in the air and I took a couple of hours last Monday and I, I went through my garden and I went through different parts of my lawn and basically I looked at a few bushes that are bushes that, that, that need some care. They need some TLC. And, and I, I, I went along and I pruned them, basically. I, I kind of took some time. I, I stood alone with these bushes and I looked at them and I, I, I looked at how they needed some care and I spent time with each of them, carefully examining them. And you know what I found? I found that there was some, some dead, completely dead branches coming out of the bush. And those branches I just snipped off because literally they looked dead. They were completely dry, no life in them. They lost connection to the vine to the main root, so I cut them off. Nothing was there. Then there were some branches that had excess. They crisscrossed each other or uh, passed some of the buds. There was like nothing was growing, so I snipped that off. Uh, and, and what I was doing is I was carefully examining and looking around this bush just to see where there was excess. And I would snip off these things. I started to prune it. And I had this goal when I did this. I didn't want to hurt the tree. I didn't want to hurt this bush. The purpose was the healthy growth of this bush. The overall look and the overall blooming of each branch and each bud so everything got the energy it needed. And I want you to think about that. This is what God does with us. This is what God does on us and in us. He prunes us. And so for a second right now, I want you to admit something. I want you to take a moment and admit this. And maybe you might take time with your journal later or think about this on your own. But for a second, start this process. Admit this. There is stuff in your life, just like there's stuff in my life right now, that's inhibiting your growth. There's stuff in my life that's inhibiting my growth. And you're like thinking, really, Dave, there's stuff in your life that, yeah, there's stuff in my life that's inhibiting my growth. There's stuff in your life that's inhibiting your growth. Could, could we just all together, could you tell the person beside you, tell one of your kids if they're in front of you, if you're on your own, text a friend, comment on the section and say, I admit there's stuff in my life that's inhibiting my growth. I, can, I know for sure this is true. 
And here's, here's why I want us to admit this. Because if we want to go from startup to growing up, if we want to go from startup to growing up, we will need to lose whatever stops our growth. We will need to lose that and allow God to prune it. Now, it would be so amazing, and yet we would feel the tension of this, if God just came and pruned stuff, snip, snip here, snip, snip there, cut this, cut that, like it's like, okay, God, just do what you want, like we're sitting in a barber's chair or something. And sometimes he does that. Sometimes he kind of like circumvents our, our free will, I guess, and, and maybe, and he does some stuff like that. But usually, usually I have a sense from experience and from watching some of your lives as well, that pruning comes when we realize what needs to go. Well, realize what needs to go. See, God doesn't often force his snippers on us, his scissors on us. He can, he can, but he usually works in us by his spirit, through the conviction of the spirit, and, and through pruning in that process. And he invites us to let go. He invites us to let go. Now, I was thinking, I'm thinking about the moment we're in. This unique moment in, in really our, our recent history as, as humanity and, and as Canadians. This, this COVID-19 situation that we're in. It has been a moment of extreme shakeup. We have, many have been disrupted and interrupted. And, and I, I just, I, I feel and weep for parts of the world that are feeling this even more than we are. But I want us to think about even the disruption or interruption we're experiencing. And think about this. How might God use this disruption, this interruption to prune things from our lives? Right? Many of us have kind of like been shaken up and start to think about our life and think about what's truly important, and think about what God is really doing in us, and thinking about do we want to go back to that normal, or this normal, or what normal do we want to go back to? So here's a question I want you to think about. What is this current moment showing you that needs pruning? What is this current moment showing you that needs pruning? I got two suggestions for you, all right? The one first suggestion is false beliefs. The second suggestion is faulty behavior. False beliefs, faulty behavior. Now, when I say faulty behavior, I don't want you to think that it's all about what we do or our behavior or some kind of psychological thing. I just want to help you remember. False beliefs, faulty behavior. Super easy to remember. Um, because our faulty behavior is much deeper than just kind of the things we do. It's, it's also sin and, and brokenness in our lives. But let me talk about false beliefs for a second. Because there is some false beliefs that you and I have. And God, I believe, wants to prune those lies. False beliefs are lies God wants to prune. You might have a false belief that has been shaping your identity, what you think about yourself, what you know to be true about yourself. You maybe have a narrative that you've believed about yourself or, that the, or a narrative in the world, a story that culture gives you that, 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 that's a false belief about you, about reality. So when we think about these things, these are, these are sometimes the way God wants to prune these lies. And I'm just thinking about 
parents these days. And some parents that have been trying so hard, you know, to nurture their kids and help their kids and be with their kids and educate their kids. And then, you know, somebody with a lot of time on their hands posts on Instagram every day how great they're doing. And here's this craft that that is reinforcing reading for my six-year-old. And you should do this craft too. And this is amazing. And look what I've done. And then we're, some parents are looking at it and thinking, oh gosh, I'm such a failure. And you're looking at it. And this is like the false belief that, oh, this person has it all together. Because when the camera's closed and they go back to their normal life, they don't have it all together. They're walking through stuff. Sometimes these are these false lies, false beliefs. But sometimes it's consumerism and materialism and individualism and some of the lies in secularism. God wants to prune those lies. This sometimes seems like more theoretical, but think about Paul's life, okay? First century Paul, follower of Jesus, church planter, apostle, writer of a bunch of the New Testament. There's a season in his life where he describes a thorn in his flesh. And if you know a little bit about the scriptures, you might know this story. If not, you know, there's this moment where Paul is experiencing this thorn in his flesh. Some, some theologians and commentators believe that it was physical. It was maybe an, a medical condition. Uh, some people think it might have been, uh, could have been some kind of a depression, something he was walking through. We're not sure. Interestingly, Paul pleads with God several times, Lord, remove this thorn. You know what's amazing to me? God didn't remove that thorn. God didn't prune that thorn. But he did prune Paul's false idea that he could only be content if the thorn was gone. This idea Paul had that if God removes the thorn, if God removes, let's say, the sickness or the problem or the struggle or the emotional weight, then I can experience his grace. Paul had this false idea that that was the only way if God would remove the thorn. The thorn. But what happened was the thorn, whatever it was, shook Paul up. It shifted him. And it exposed a lie that grace or God's presence or God's goodness can only come when good things happen, when all the problems are removed. And that lie needed to be pruned. That false idea needed to be pruned. And when it was pruned... Paul realized that he could experience God's grace and God's goodness even with a thorn in his life. So I'm asking you, what kind of false idea do you have that God wants to prune that lie so you can experience him in greater ways? So God wants to sometimes prune lies. He also wants to prune truth. Now, I'm not a heretic, not truth with a capital T, but the truth of our lives, small t. Maybe it's the faulty behavior, right? It's potentially the patterns we're in, the, the, the things that distract us, the sin in our lives that we still fall prey to or the temptations we fall prey to. Think about that for a second. These are truths about us. I, I don't have to tell you. I'm not, I'm not like shining the light on your light and saying you're doing this, this, or that. You already know, there, and I know there's patterns in our life. There's things that distract us. There's sin. This is the truth about our lives. There's certain things that, that get played out in our behaviors. And these are maybe ways that we're treating the people in our lives. Maybe it's the way we respond to authority in our life. Maybe it's the way that we respond to a friend or a spouse confronting us with something. Maybe it's, it's, it's the way we spend our money or, uh, you know, the, the, the way that we treat some people. Maybe it's, it's, it's a variety of things. 
And these are also truths about us, small t truths, that God wants to prune, that he wants to remove. See, God loves us so much, he wants to prune these things from our lives. But here's where you and me get stuck. I know I do. Sometimes pruning hurts. Sometimes pruning gets close because the knife gets close. My son, when he was about three years old, we were at a family member's house, and this family member had a large deck in their backyard, and my son was playing and walking and kneeling and crawling on the deck. All of a sudden, uh, he's like, we see him crying. He starts to cry and, and, and is like almost like tantrum crying. We're like, what's going on? What's happening? And we, we looked at him. We, we asked him. We couldn't tell what, what was going on with him. It was crazy. Then we realized this deck was not sanded, was not treated, had no sealant on it, and it was full of splinters. So my three-year-old son was walking and crawling and kneeling and playing on this splintered deck, and we looked at his knees. Oh, my. <laughs> his knees didn't have like one or two splinters. When you get a splinter, you're like, i got to get this thing out. My three-year-old son had like 20 splinters in his knees. And because he was kneeling and crawling and playing, they just kept getting more and more in, you know, d- deeply inside his knees. We had to go to this clinic. We could not possibly do this on our own. We didn't have the proper equipment, the proper kind of tweezers. And one by one, this doctor, while we're holding my son down, is like getting each of these splinters out of his poor little three-year-old knee. Chubby little knee, by the way. Maybe that's why more of them were in there. It was cute, but it was hurting. And the doctor had no choice. He had to get super close and take all these little splinters out. And that that image came to mind this week because it reminds me, sometimes God will have to get so close and personal with you and me. There's some areas of our lives where we don't want him to touch. But if we don't let him work on us and prune us and remove these things, There are some times that God will offend you, will offend me with what he thinks needs to be pruned, and it goes against our human nature, our secular mindset, our cultural reality. There's going to be moments where Jesus judges us by his righteousness and his justice and his kingdom values that it will shake up our secular opinions. There's going to be a time where where God chooses to prune and touch a sinful nerve in you that you have not surrendered to him. And it's like a nerve, a sinful nerve. And there's going to be moments the Holy Spirit will convict you of useless patterns and distractions that only serve to make us, me, you, waste our lives. Or maybe sinful patterns that hurt you or where I hurt others. And this is what God wants to do. And so here's my question to you today. What does God want to prune from you? What does God want to prune from you? What does God want to prune from me? What are the areas, the false beliefs, the faulty behaviors that he's getting your attention about? And here's, here's part of the beauty of this, because it's a growth, right? Because pruning makes room for growth. When God prunes, you discover that your time gets 
There's margin in your time for certain things. There's margin in your energy for certain things. There's margin in your mind and in your heart. When God prunes, what he's doing is he's making room for growing, for sprouting growth. He's making room for all the things he wants to do in you. And sometimes the pruning, when it's done, gives you time and energy and, 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 and mind, space in your mind and capacity in your heart to move into these things. And here's what happens. Here's what happens. This makes room for the life of Jesus to come through. This pruning makes room for the life of Jesus to come through. It's not only that God is the gardener, right? But we're the branches. And as the branches connected to the vine, the goal is that life comes through, right? So back to my bushes this week. When I pruned my bushes this week, I made room for life that was coming from the roots and the vines started to sprout out. Now I want you to, you're going to put, the, you're going to put a picture of this uh, on the screen. And as you're looking at this bush, this is like six days later, seven days later, that I ended up pruning it. So Monday I pruned it and it didn't look like it does today. And yesterday I took this picture and you can see that even within a week, all of a sudden, what it's made room for is the buds to come out, is the flowering to come out, is the leaves to start growing. Because when I pruned that bush, I made room for the life that was coming from the roots and the soil and the vine. And same thing for you and me, right? When you and I welcome God's pruning, we are making room for the life of Jesus in us. And when the life of Jesus comes through us, we begin to sprout growth. All of a sudden, God's pruning makes room for time and energy and heart and mind, and the life of Jesus comes through that into the new life that we're actually moving into. And so I want to just like, close by saying today, God is always growing you. God is always growing me. God is always cultivating the kingdom life in you and me. But if that is going to happen, it's going to require pruning. But here's the beauty of it. God always has your, benter- your best interest, my be- best interest at heart. Just like God created us in his image, as we give our lives to Christ, we grow into the, the best version of who God calls us to be. We might not see the fullness of it on this side of eternity, but as his life grows in us, Christ's life comes through. So I'm going to take a moment and just pray with you as we, as we slowly wrap up. And before I share a little bit of news, I want to take a moment and just pray. Let's just slow down for a second. Right, right now where you are, just slow down for a moment. And we're going to pray. And I'm going to invite you just to take 10 or 15 seconds to start this process. And maybe you can continue it once we're done. What does God want to prune in you? What does pruning look like in your life right now? What are the areas that God is already showing you that, where you can admit, acknowledge, that is inhibiting your own growth. Let's begin to just right now where we are, invite God to do his work in us that he started, that he wants to continue towards completion. Just take a moment and invite God to do that as I pray. Some of you are praying with us for the first time. Maybe your first prayer is, Lord, show me that I need you. Show me the fullness of who Jesus is so, I, so my life can be connected to him. Maybe your first choice is trusting him. Let's pray. Father, 
we, we just affirm this amazing truth. You are the gardener. And uh, you, don't, you don't let us grow alone. You're concerned for us. You're intentional in our lives. You're at work in us. You've sent your Holy Spirit to remind us and convict us and to show us. You've sent Christ as a, as, as a model, but also as, as the vine, the one in whom we put our life into and can trust as Lord and King and Savior. And so, God, right now, we tell you, Lord, show us the areas of our lives that need pruning, the false ideas, the false beliefs, the faulty behavior, maybe the sinful behavior. Lord, we're being honest. Lord, show us. We want to know, and we welcome you to prune us. We tell you, God, right now, get as close as you need to get to us. As awkward as it is, as difficult it might be, as it might be, as, as fearful as it might be for some of us, Lord, get close. Let your pruning knife, your pruning scissors get close. Prune whatever is unfruitful in us, God, so we can make room for the life of Jesus to grow in us, Lord. May this be uh, the life we move into more and more each day. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.